Hi there, everybody. It's me, Josh, your friend, Josh. And this week, I've selected Do You Really Stay Conscious After Decapitation? It was one of our top three grisliest episodes we've ever done. We talk in depth about what it's like to have your head cut off, and it's uh, pretty grim. But it's also, in my opinion, one of the most interesting ones we've ever done. So if you are faint of heart or weak of stomach, skip this one if you like. But I dare you to listen anyway, because it is that good. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There is Charles W. Chuck Bryant asleep at the mic. Wake up, Chuck. I could I could fall asleep right now. What's wrong with you? Is it pollen? No. Your histamine's haywire? I'm just sweepy. Are you? Yeah. you have a long night last night? Yeah, I hadn't been sleeping that great. Oh, really? Plus, I, I got the window open because the weather's so nice, but that means I hear birds in traffic really early, so I've been waking up at like 6.15. Yeah, I hate that. I hate those birds. I do, too. The early birds With catching their, their worms. I heard all stupid happy songs. Yeah, I don't like that either. I had a weird, uncomfortable dream last night that I was trying to rent a car and everything was sold out because Texas A&M was in some sort of <laughs> crazy championship and there's like 500,000 people there and they'd rented all the cars. So I had to stand around and wait until somebody brought a car back and jump on that. And there was like 12 other people doing the same thing. It was kind of Texas A&M. That's no odd. idea why. Out of nowhere, huh? Yeah. I thought at least it'd be UT. No. It was a and So, Chuck. So weird. <laughs> you know, you know what that was? That was an example. Dreams in general uh-huh. are an example of my neural networks. Whatever I'd learned or thought of that, <laughs> that day, um, or something had jogged my memory, whatever. Sure. There's a, there's an idea that dreams are the, Basically, your brain strengthening neural networks by stimulating different ones. Right. Basically doing some some paperwork, some sorting while your body's sleeping. Yeah, we still haven't done our deluxe dream podcast, have we? We haven't. Somebody asked for it recently. Yeah, we'll do it. I, I, think, we're, I think we're getting more and more prepared, too. It's yes. coming. Okay. It's coming. But um, that idea is kind of is based on um, one of, well, it's one of the things that's based on uh, what a guy named Francis Crick who you'll remember was one of the co-discoverers of the structured DNA. Yeah, he was the D, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, no. You're thinking of Runt DNA. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, he he later, later on in his career really got into the idea of this thing called the astonishing hypothesis. I love this. It, but it is, it's a little depressing, if you ask me. We've talked yeah. about it before. Yeah. We, I think we talked about it in Mirror Neurons. Yeah. But the astonishing hypothesis is essentially that all of our thoughts, our dreams, our beliefs, our hopes, our fears, our connections to others, every aspect of the human experience is based on neurons and their excitement, right? And he said, quite famously, quote, uh, You're nothing but a bowl of neurons. Or pack. I like bowl. Okay. <laughs> but I said, quote. Yeah. So you're just rewriting. Correct. How about a, a sack of neurons? I like that. A fistful of neurons. Fistful, oh, God, that's awesome. Thank you. Fistful. That's a band name right I there. I knew you were going to say that. Fistful of neurons? Yeah. Someone's going to go be that now. Yes. So as as at the basis of all of this is the is the neurotransmitter, right? 
Yes. Which is an electrochemical compound that depending on what kind of neuron is excited or what, what compound is passed from synapse to synapse, right? Yeah. You're going to have a different kind of experience, but all of these experiences are based on these electrochemical reactions That's in, right. in your neural networks. That's right. So you have one, one neuron exciting another and they become connected and it goes on and on. And then mm-hmm. you have a neural network that's associated with fear or a fear of bears more specifically. You see a bear and it's excited because you stored this neural network as a memory. Right. And that's consciousness. That's being alive, as they say. Right. But it kind of takes the mystery out of life to a certain yeah. extent, don't you think? Yeah, but it also, and that's a great setup too for this, it also, um, you know, as long as you can measure that and you can measure those brain waves, that means there's something going on there. Right. Because we have, we do have machines called electroencephalographs. Yeah. EEGs that measure the electrical activity in your head. And we've determined, science has come to agree that there's a strong enough correlation between somebody going, Hey, why is this thing on my head? Um, and electrical activity while it's happening yeah. that when we detect this electrical activity, we're saying this person's conscious. Right. 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 And that is a great way to set up uh, a study that uh, was performed in the Netherlands. He's wacky Dutch. Yeah. At uh, Rad Radboud. I'm sure that's not pronounced correctly. I would say Radboud. Radboud University in uh, the Netherlands. Where in the Netherlands? Oh, uh, it's <laughs> that word. I know. <laughs> it's a lot of consonants right there. Uh, Nitten. Uh, Nimigan, Nimigan, Nijmigan, Nijmigan. That's what I'm going with. And that's one of the easier looking Dutch words I've seen. If you <laughs> yeah. go over there, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so they did this, uh, you know, when you, when you work with lab rats that sometimes you have to put them to death. And what they do is they chop their little heads off. Yeah. Because they, you know, that's a quick and speedy way to, to kill something. Yeah. So they thought, you know, we might want to do some tests to see if this is actually a humane way of doing this. Which is what they thought all along, which is why they decapitate yeah. rats and other lab animals is because it's assumed that's humane. Right. These Dutch researchers are saying, well, wait a minute, is it? Let's find out. I would think smothering one with a tiny pillow would be... <laughs> while petting it. Yeah, while stroking it. I've thought about that too, but fear. Yeah, sure. Because I think we should probably define humane here. Humane is probably the absence of fear and pain. It's a humane way to kill something on purpose. Yeah. Right? Those are probably the two things I would want cut out of my death. Yes. <laughs> Fear and pain. So um, they did this. They performed these tests on uh, rats, uh, attached them to the little EEGs, cut off their heads, and they found that the brain <laughs> continued to operate, uh, generate electrical activity between 13 and 100 hertz frequency, mm-hmm. which is... That means thought and consciousness. Right. Study of electrical activity in the brain, we found that within that band, that frequency band, those frequency right. bands, that's when you're thinking and feeling and saying, what is going on? Right. Why is my lifeless body over there without my head on it? Right. For about four seconds and then lights out. Yeah. Lights out. And then I think after about another 50 seconds or something, 40 or 50 seconds, there was one last burst. Lights back on? Uh, the, it wasn't exactly lights back on. It was like the the end of everything in one last point. Oh. But there was nothing between those that indicated consciousness. It was just like everything was gone after about 50 seconds. Uh. But four seconds, consciousness. Right. Which brings us to capital punishment. Uh, capital, uh, the way they came up with that originally is from the Latin term caput, um, which means head. So decapitation mm-hmm. was where capital punishments derived from decapitation. That's exactly right. And so now we can talk about humans losing their heads. Well, yeah, because as we said, um, a humane way of executing something or dispatching something 
um, is to take fear and, and pain out of it, right? Yeah. And the, this this study of these rats suggests that well, hold on, I want everybody to do this, right? <laughs> I want you to look around, to think, to feel, to listen, while I count four seconds off. You ready? Yeah. One, two, three, four. Took a lot in just then, didn't you? A, a lot more than I'd be comfortable taking in with my head not attached to my body. Exactly. So here's the. This is why the rat the rat study is so disturbing because it suggests that after your head is cut off, <laughs> you are still very much aware of what's going on and can think and yeah. feel and be terrified, right? Yes. And you know, I read. I wish I had a better source for this, but I did find one doctor that firmly believes that there's a lot of pain associated with. A decapitation, yeah. execution by decapitation. Yes. Maybe not for long, but he's like, I don't know about this painless thing. Right. Well, and long before um, this Dutch uh, study was published, people uh, people have long suspected, like, this. you're still conscious after you're decapitated for a little while. Right. Let's, let's talk about decapitation. First, I want to give a shout out to our buddy Alan Bellows from Damn Interesting, who wrote a great article as well. Do you know him? That, um, yeah, he, he emails with us sometimes. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, he wrote one called Lucid Decapitation that I use it's as a, a source one. for this. It's great. I read that today too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Chuck, let, let, let's do talk about a history of head loss, as it were. <laughs> and not losing one's head as in losing one's cool. No. You mean chopper style. Although you do probably lose your cool when you lose your head and you're still conscious. <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, in the biblical ap- uh, apocrypha, I love that word, uh, there's a widow named Judith. She cut off the head of an Assyrian general named uh, Hol- Holofernes. Uh-huh. And uh, he was he was a bad guy laying siege to her town. She cut his head off. Yep. Um, Romans did she that. She seduced him and then cut his head off. Oh, well, that's the way to do it. Especially if you're a biblical widow. Right. Uh, the Romans uh, did that to um, their own because they thought it was a better and more painless way than crucifixion, which they did to outsiders. Yes. Which is not a very nice way to die. <clears throat> no. Uh, medieval Europe, obviously. All kinds of people from the ruling class to peasants. And uh, today it still happens in a few Middle Eastern countries. Yeah. Uh, Qatar, Yemen, Iran, very, most prominently Saudi Arabia. Yeah, You've I seen, uh, what was it, what, Fahrenheit 9-11? There's footage of like a um, somebody being beheaded in public in Saudi Arabia in like the late 90s. Did they use the sword? Yeah. Oh, really? Yep. The Schmittar. And Josh, there are also the, the extra judi- uh, judicial, um, like when, you know, a journalist is captured and beheaded by a group of gorillas, and yeah. that's not like they don't use a sword or a guillotine. It's really gruesome. Yes. It's extremely gruesome. That's right. That's why um, most... Modern cultures um, have come to the conclusion that beheading is um, extremely barbaric. Mm-hmm. It's an extremely painful way to die, and I imagine probably one of the more terrifying ways to die, too. Yes. Um, but it took a while for everybody to come to that conclusion, right? Yeah, and you mentioned Saudi Arabia is one of the main countries. They, they have, uh, I guess you would call, very qualified swordsmen yes. to do this. Yeah. But other places, they're not so qualified, and it doesn't go as smoothly. Sometimes there's like some chopping that has to go on, well, right. which is not ideal. And, and one of the reasons why um, it isn't ideal is because it, it, it takes chopping, or it did for many, many centuries, because you had to either do it with a knife, yeah, which was really like not a beheading. It was more cutting someone's head off over yeah. the course of a few minutes, probably. Yeah. 
or you could try to behead somebody with an axe or a sword. And those were the two favored in- implements used yeah. for state-sanctioned executions, right? Mm-hmm. But, like you said, in some cultures, like Saudi Arabia today, you have to be, um, you're a very highly trained, highly skilled headsman is what it's called. Yeah. Um, in other cultures, you could have also doubled as the guy who, like, pulled the lever on the gallows. Right. And you had no extra training. Maybe you'd done it once before, maybe you hadn't. So for the most part, when you were beheaded, most likely it was going to take more than one blow. Yeah. And um, you're going to feel it. Yes. Then everything changed. Yes. The guillotine. Yes. Chuck, give him the fact of, well, one of the facts of this uh, this podcast. Yeah, I've always heard, and I think a lot of people have always heard, the guillotine was named after uh, Joseph Guillotine, the inventor of the guillotine. Mm-hmm. He was not the inventor of the guillotine. No, it was named after him. It was named after him, but he was not the inventor. He was the champion of the guillotine as a humane method of execution. Yeah, he was, was he a doctor? No. Yeah. He was? He was a French physician okay. um, uh, of the revolution. Um, another doctor named Antoine Louis uh, was the one who actually invented it. And Joseph Ignace Guillotine um, had a lot more power and clout and said, this invention is awesome. Yeah. It's going to allow us to kill people more humanely, but also more quickly. Mm-hmm. And that actually led inadvertently, if you know the guillotine sure. started out to be a humane method of execution, um, to what's called the reign of terror. Yeah, I think you said uh, 30,000 people uh, hit the guillotine in one year. In less than a year, actually. And 30,000 is one of the lower estimates of it. I've seen up to like 50 or 60,000 people. Yeah. It's just like they're like, oh, great. Well, here's a machine of execution. Yeah. And we're going to basically turn it into the end of the assembly line. Yeah, it's, you know, for those of you who don't know what a guillotine is, a little odd because... They're all over the place and cartoons even and in pop culture. Yeah. But it's a big, uh, it's a tall, like 14 feet tall. At the, at the top, yes, 14. And it, and it drops a large blade that's held in a track. So it goes straight down. Uh, how heavy, uh, so the blade, the blade itself has a weight at the top. You yeah. see, it's like an iron bar and then the, the angle blade, right? Diagonal yeah. blade. The, 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 those two things combined weigh about 175 pounds or 80 kilograms. The mouton. The mouton is the uh, weight, yes. So this puppy slides down very fast at uh, 14 from 14 feet in its track. Yep. Very precisely hits the back of your neck. It's very sharp. And that uh, generally means your head will probably just fall straight down into the little peach basket. Right. Ideally. Right. Now, if you are, um, if you were beheaded prior to the invention of the guillotine, right? Prior you, to this podcast. And also, I have to say, like, you, you're, you're right everybody knows what a guillotine looks like yeah. to a certain extent. It wasn't until I wrote this and, and was doing research for it that I really actually looked at the actual guillotine, mm-hmm. the whole assembly, right? I mean, look at that thing. That monster is horrific. And it's like that's used by the state, and that's how you are going to die. You're going to lose your head. Yeah. And Victor Hugo famously said that um, a, uh, a person can have a certain indifference on the death penalty as long as one has not seen a guillotine with one's own eyes. Yeah. Which is, I think, very true. It's pretty easy to talk a tough game about things like this until you actually see it go down. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, so the guillotine, what it does is, as no, most notably, is it deprives your brain of oxygen and blood. Right. 
your so, your circulatory system exist. it's a closed system yeah right so you it's it's based on um pressure your heart is pumping the blood throughout the the body it passes by the lungs drops off co2 which you exhale it takes yeah. in oxygen which you inhale mm-hmm. and then the whole thing goes again right uh, as long as the system is closed and the heart's uh, the heart's beating and the lungs are, are transferring um air uh you're fine once you take a head off you have opened this closed system yeah and eventually the heart's going to just pump everything out mm-hmm. of the neck and whatever was in the head at that time is going to come out. And the brain, starved of oxygen and blood, starts to degrade very quickly. Its processes start to degrade, right? Yeah. Now, if you are at the hands of a hack, literally, a headsman, right? <laughs> who doesn't know what he's doing? He's got a blunt blade. He's hung over. Who knows? Right. It's going to take your head off. Got a disco eye. It's going. <laughs> it's going to take a few. What is a disco eye? Okay. It's going to take. <laughs> it's going to take a few um, hacks, and you're going to bleed out probably before your head comes off. Not so with the guillotine. It Instant. is very precise. Yeah. It comes right down. Mm-hmm. It takes your head right off, and then there's a little wooden shield to make sure that it doesn't go flying into the crowd sure. instead it maybe hits the shield and then bounces into the basket yeah where a headsman can hold it up yeah or sometimes throw it into the crowd didn't know they did that yeah interesting and uh, sometimes they would be big jerks in the case uh, a very famous case of uh charlotte corday yeah she was executed in france in 1793 uh because she assassinated a revolutionary leader named jean-paul marat mm-hmm and um, the jerk executioner picked up her head and s- smacked her around a little bit. Yeah, he got 11 years in prison for it, too. And people who witnessed this say that her expression on her headless head, I'm sorry, her head, bodiless head. Her <laughs> dismembered head. Disembodied. Disembodied. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, showed unequivocal marks of indignation. So she actually had a facial expression of like, how dare you slap me? Right, and it wasn't like, uh, from from what I understand, it wasn't like that's how she looked when she when he picked her head up. Yeah, there was a change. It of was expression. after he smacked her, <laughs> yeah. like her cheeks flushed, uh-huh. and she basically went into a rage right before she died. He got eleven years for that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, the French did not. You did not screw around. You didn't do that. That was a huge lapse in uh, humanity in taste. Yeah, cut off the heads. Fine. Just, just <laughs> yeah. smacking around. Well, again, remember that this they is, a, this is the time. This is 1793. Yeah, France sure. officially adopted the guillotine in 1792 and used it until 1977. Yeah. That was the last guy to have his head cut off by the French state. Uh-huh. It was, a, uh, I believe, a rapist murderer um, immigrant wow. who uh, hit death row. And then three years after that, France was like, we're done with the death penalty. Isn't that crazy? People were like partying in Studio 64, 54. With their disco eyes. 64? Where in the world did that come from? So, yeah, and then all of a sudden in France are cutting people's heads off still. Right. But again, remember, they, they adopted it the year before. This guy smacked Charlotte Corday's face the year after they adopted it. Yeah. And people are like, uh, I don't think that's supposed to happen. So from that, that moment on, and probably before that, because Chuck, there, there have been other, um, instances of people in history who had their heads taken off skillfully. Um, for example, Anne Boleyn. Yeah. Uh, King Charles I. Yeah. They had their heads taken skillfully, and both of them were reported to try to have, to try to speak 
Like they were moving their lips or their eyes were moving, right? right? This is not funny. It's just... It's insane. Yeah. I'm not laughing because I think this is funny. And there's a huge debate that's become increasingly one-sided in favor of what we're talking about today. Um, The other side is, well, this is just like ghost electrical activity. Yeah. Like you prick a frog 10 minutes after it is uh, dissected and they're still going to move. They have that stimuli. Or Marshall Brain has that very um, popular post on the blogs about sprinkling salt on frog's legs and making a move. Oh, really? Surely you've seen it. I don't think I have. You have to check it out. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, But yes. So that's if you cut a leg off. Or you cut an arm off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's remnant electrical activity. Yeah. It's the same thing in the head. Right. It's still electrical activity. The problem is you don't experience pain and fear and terror in your arm. No, no, no. Your arm feels absolutely nothing. All sensations that we experience, whether it, it's our arm being cut off or you know, f- feeling terror at seeing our arm cut off. Yeah. All of that is in the head. So when you decapitate the head and there's still electrical activity, the chances are that it is conscious experience. Yeah, your brain has, it's not like your head got bashed in. Your brain is very much intact. Yes. It's just not attached to the lower half. And it still has uh, plenty of oxygen and plenty of blood to deliver that oxygen for a few seconds. And yeah. that's what's required. As long as your brain hasn't suffered any damage, as long as um, you have oxygen, you have blood, you are likely going to experience consciousness. And this is pretty much the conclusion that that people have arrived at. Like, yeah, if you cut someone's head off cleanly and quickly, mm-hmm. they're going to know what's going on for a little while afterward. Yeah, and how long is very much up for debate. Uh, they've tested, or not tested, but they've seen evidence in other mammals up to like a half a minute. Yeah. Uh, chickens are very famous for running around the barnyard with no heads for a little while. Did you ever hear the story of Mike the Headless Chicken? Or for a very long time, in Mike's case. 18 months? Yeah. But Mike the Headless Chicken, and if you're interested in that, type in Mike the Headless Chicken, uh, How Stuff Works, and it'll bring up some things here or there, including yeah. a blog post I wrote on uh-huh. it. But his he was different because the farmer missed his brainstem, and chickens are almost all brainstem. Yeah. But Mike lived like an extra 18 months All brainstem and, and, actually he and ch- good juicy breast and Exactly. Wings. Yeah. And he choked on a, a, a kernel of corn. That's how Mike died. After yeah, having his how is he feeding off? it though? Uh, with a dropper. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Uh, let's tell some more stories, anecdotal stories about people living and making faces. Okay. After their heads been cut off. Okay. Because those are interesting. Yeah, they are. In 1989, an army veteran was in a car crash with um, a friend. His friend was decapitated, sadly, and he saw, looked at his friend's face, not attached to his body, and saw a distinct change in expression. From uh, he says, "quote first of shock and confusion, mm-hmm. and then terror or grief. It's horrific. It is horrific. You mentioned uh, Anne Boleyn and King Charles. Um, there this was is... there was one story, a very dubious one, that's not in his biographies, but Antoine Lavoisier mm-hmm. in 1794 apparently agreed to try and blink for as long as he could afterward. Yeah, he was a, a French chemist around the time of the Revolution, right? Yeah, so he s- reportedly blinked for about 15 to 20 seconds. Yeah. But there's there was also another murderer named uh, uh, Larsenaire who said, all right, I'm going to wink at everyone after my head's cut off if I can. And right. He, he didn't wink. Yeah. Um, there is one. There is an account that is not dubious. It's probably the um, most scientific 
observation. This, this one's awesome. Of, uh, you know, consciousness following decapitation ever. Um, it's very famous uh-huh. and it is verified as far as I know. In, uh, 1905, a guy named Dr. Borio, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, basically got permission to study the decapitated head of a murderer named Henri Longuil, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, so he was right there, right at head level when Longuil's head came off. He had his plan in place, I yeah. assume. He immediately picks up the head and starts experimenting on it. And over the course of 25 to 30 seconds, the physician basically, he said, Longuil. And Longuil opened his eyes and focused him. Yeah. His head, just his head, focused him on Dr. Barrio and then kind of like faded out again. Mm-hmm. And the doctor said, Longuil. And Longuil opened his eyes again and focused him. He says, undeniably focused them on the doctor's eyes again. And then he tried it a third time and then nothing. So that was his plan was yell his name. Yeah. I guess it worked. But it did work. He said that he, his observations were that this, that this, this decapitated head went from its eyes closed or glazed over to, you know, consciousness coming back into it and it focusing its eyes on him because as a response to his name being called. Wow. Yeah. In uh, 1795, a German researcher, uh, S.T. Summering. Mm-hmm. This is the worst one, if you he, uh, he said that um, he, he, there was a physician inspecting a head and poked the spinal canal with his finger, and that the head, uh, the person, grimaced horribly, and they grind their teeth. So it's almost as if the head was saying, I know you think I'm dead, but that really, really hurts. Yeah, the spinal canal yeah. is where your spinal cord is mm-hmm. in your spine, so... You would think that there was a little bit left because he was poking it up into the spinal cord yeah. with his finger. And I can't imagine the excruciating pain that that would cause. Well, the doctor I found that said that he thought it was decidedly painful. That's what he said. He's like, you can't expose and, and cut the spine like that without there being a lot of pain. Yeah. And that was S.T. Somering, right? In 1795, yeah. arguing in the French newspapers to stop cutting people's heads off. Well, they listened uh, a little less than 200 years later. Yeah. So, I think the answer to this one is yes, you stay conscious after your head is cut off from your body at least for several seconds. That's right. Right? Well done, sir. Thank you, sir. Good article. Uh, if you want to learn more, you should search for Stuff You Should Know, How Stuff Works in your search engine, and it should bring up our brand spanking new, beautiful looking uh, Stuff You Should Know homepage. Yeah, we got a little fan page now that's... Uh Looks like a proper fan page. Yeah, and we we decide what's on it, right? Uh, yeah. We say, hey, here's some cool articles you guys should check out. Here's some articles based on some of our favorite podcasts, image galleries, quizzes, just basically everything. Like, uh, it's like they gave a portion of the site to us. Yeah, and we're doing some cool stuff with it. How about that? So, um, you'll be able to find that there, right? Indeed. Okay. Um, and yeah, wow, I didn't say search bar. No. Just type decapitation into the search bar at uh, HowStuffWorks.com, and that will probably bring up some cool stuff, including this. That sounds like a practical joke. Yeah. Just type decapitation in and see what happens. Brings up nothing but rabbits. And since I said search bar, listener mail. Josh, I'm going to call this a little poem from Alex, our fan. And Alex's birthday is April 26th. Today. Happy birthday, dude. Happy birthday, Alex. You know your timing there, buddy. Yeah. And this is his 21st birthday. And I hope he has a strong stomach or else he was never going to hear this. That's right. 
Uh, Alex is in a creative writing class, and he writes poems and lots of them. Wait, he says, I write nothing but poems, even though I'm a guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Josh, he is a guy, but he is a poet. Strange thing to say. Renaissance man. Uh, Recently, I was listening to How Fossils Work and Saunas, more interesting than you think, and I wrote this poem about the podcast. Sleeping in my bed, trying to absorb unique facts about different topics, dreaming of a fossil forming, a young Josh smoking, and an older Chuck laughing at dirty jokes. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> Understanding now that reading about saunas requires you to strip. Having this podcast allows me to own a piece of history. I'm sorry. Own a piece of unique history. Okay. Learning about different parts of human life. Keeling over in laughter at the jokes. Wait, you are reading this like William Shatner reads poetry. <laughs> I am. Now I know why people own eye products to listen to Josh and Chuck W talk about talk and joke around. Hope you like it. And um, it's hope you like it part of the poem. I don't remember. No, it's not. Okay, because that'd be weird. So the whole <laughs> I end all my poems with hope you like this. Yeah, but you know, the first letter of each line spells out stuff you should know. Oh. You didn't know that? That's why I was reading it like Shatner. Okay. Having would be the H. Own would be the O. You didn't know that? He even points out, if you still don't get it, read the first letter of each line. So, very creative. Even the judge didn't get it. Thanks a lot, Alex. Happy birthday to you. Right, Chuck? Indeed. Probably shouldn't ask for any decapitation stories. Or poems. Yeah, no poems. Yeah, don't get any ideas from this. This, this was just special. Right? Yep. If you have an unusual pet that is not a ferret because it's not unusual any longer, um, we want to hear about it. If you have taken an animal from the wild and tamed it to be your pet or possibly do your bidding, we want to hear stories about that, okay? <laughs> Send it in an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes.